Why donate to CFRC? As the world's longest-running campus community radio station, CFRC 101.9 FM has maintained its tradition of fostering campus and community culture and engagement since 1922. Our volunteer-driven music and spoken word broadcasts, and now podcasts, reach listeners locally, nationally, and internationally, allowing for community members to share their voices, perspectives, and ideas, and allowing listeners to engage opportunities more closely to connect with their community. CFRC 1019 FM is your campus and community radio station. Head to CFRC.ca and click on Donate Now for an option to donate through Queen's University or through our GoFundMe campaign. It's that easy to donate, and we thank you in advance to contributing to Queen's University Campus Radio. And good afternoon. It's 4 o'clock, or about 4.01, I guess, at this point. Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located here in Lower Caribbean Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. This is Finding a Voice, spoken word programming here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And uh, coming up on the show today... In the first hour, from an event held at Novel Idea Bookstore on October 8th, you'll hear Sharon Berg reading from and launching her books, Naming the Shadow and the Shadow, or I'm sorry, and the Name Unspoken, and Elizabeth Green launching and reading from her new book called The Dowager Empress, uh, Poems of Adele Wiseman. And in the second hour, from the October 1st, and the Journey Continues reading in that monthly open mic series, you'll hear readings by... Matt Dravenstadt, Sarah Emtige, Karen Rudy, Sasha Hill, Lyle Miriam, Corey Toke, Joshua Schiff, Alyssa Cooper, Adrian Yee, Brent Raycroft, Eric Folsom, and me. And also, uh, I'm going to spend a considerable amount of time in the second hour talking about the our two, 2019 annual funding drive, but I am just going to mention it briefly here it's it actually we launched it on uh, november 3rd and will continue through the month of november uh, it's all done online this year so it's a little bit different and i'll go into that a little bit later too in the second hour but uh it's uh through the gofundme campaign accessible again through our website www.cfrc.ca as well as our page through Queen's Giving for donors who are looking for tax receipts. So uh, those two places, it's all online. And uh, again, I'll go into it a lot more in the second hour. But first, just to make sure I get both of these uh, readings in the same hour, uh, and with the usual hourly announcement that occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, all played in its entirety, with content unedited, though, to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So up first this hour, going to go ahead and move straight into, again, the book launch events held at Novel Idea Bookstore on October 8th. And as it began that evening, up first, here is Sharon Berg. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Years ago, they never cut the houses. I used to be <laughs> Thanks for coming out tonight. Uh, it's a beautiful evening out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, give yourselves a hand for coming out to support uh, literature in Kingston. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and as always, too, uh, let's give Oscar and Joanna and Selma, who's helping out, a hand. <laughs> For those of you that had seen the posters, unfortunately Miranda will not be with us tonight uh, because she injured her eye and uh, not allowed to fly for 10 days, so she had to cancel a series of events. But we're going to have an exciting evening tonight uh, with uh, Sharon Berg and Elizabeth Green. So I'm looking forward to this up first, and Sharon is going to be, she has a number of books up here. This is the one she's launching. No, I'm launching these two. Naming the shadows and the name I've spoken to. Yeah, that's why I held this one up. Yeah, but the other one she's launching. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I didn't read. I, yeah. It didn't reach fast enough. Yeah. So these two she's launching, and she does have another one up here. So there you go, all kinds of stuff. Sharon Berg is a Canadian author of fiction, poetry, and nonfiction focused on First Nations history and education. Her short story collection, Naming the Shadows, uh, Porcupine's Quill, and The Name Unspoken, this other one, uh, cross genre history of wandering spirit survival school uh, through Big Pond Rumors Press, were both released in September 2019. Her work includes two full books of poetry and three poetry chapbooks, plus two audio cassette tapes, uh, Gallery 100 Productions in 1985 and Public Energies 1986. Her chapter in the textbook, Alternative uh, Schooling and Student uh, Engagement, uh, focuses on Wandering Spirits Survival School. Sharon is published in periodicals across Canada, the U.S., Mexico, the UK, the Netherlands, and Australia. She is a former teacher and founder editor of Big Pond Rumors, international literary zine and chapbook press that ran from 2006 to 2019. Let's bring up Sharon Berg. Thank you, Bruce. I want to introduce you to Pauline. It's a small photograph, so you probably can't see her very well. Mm -hmm. But I worked with Pauline for decades on the, uh, the Name Unspoken. The Name Unspoken originally was Wandering Spirit. She didn't know until after she uh, named her school, however, that he was actually a grandfather several generations removed. His name was unspoken because he was shunned on her reserve, and that's their way of dealing with a shunning. They never speak the name again, and the family itself carries implications because of his deeds. The thing is that the government had lied about what he had supposedly done. He'd supposedly been a traitor to Canada and part of the Riel Rebellion, when in fact he and Big Bear, who were co-chiefs of their band, had refused Riel's invitation to join him four different times. So, uh, his name was unspoken until she named the school. Hmm. The school itself went through a similar situation. She founded the school in her living room in 1976 
It was then moved in a, about a month and a half to the Native Centre in Toronto. Um, and then she got it adopted as a alternative school by the Toronto Board of Education in February 1977. The school still exists. It also went through a period when Wandering Spirit was not spoken because it was renamed First Nations School in 1990, which is a very vanilla name, serving no one, really. And in Fe on February 28th, 2019, they held a ceremony at the school, and the school was renamed Wandering Spirit School. They dropped survival because it's not a survival school any longer. But I find it really amazing that the same thing that happened to Wandering Spirit actually happened to uh, the school. <laughs> this book is a cross-genre presentation of the history of First Nations education in general, of Wandering Spirit and that whole story of what happened, um, of the Native people's caravan to Ottawa, in 1974 when they demanded better housing, clean water, native control of native education, etc. It has dreams and poetry, interviews, academic research, and portraits of my time with Pauline as well. I'm going to read you one of the poems that begins chapter two. I should say that I apprenticed to Pauline, and I also took studies with James Dumont, who, if any, anyone knows um, yeah. the Three Fires Society, uh, he's rather a big name. I wrote a series of poems based on his teachings. Creation. First the void, darkness without light, Stars trailing creator's first thoughts in a pitch that did not answer until he called them back. Shaker is creator's voice in the void. Heartbeat is drum of the universe. In beauty, earth and her family were made with four directions across the surface. Turtle Island bears the great hoop dance of life. The circular dance of life is the first ritual. In harmony, all spirits <coughs> singing us home. In harmony, all beings drumming. Heartbeat is the song of what is and what may be. Only man must learn his place within the great circle dance of earth. Only humans must dream their purpose, head in the sky realm of the father, feet on earth who is the mother. Humankind is the axis that pierces two spheres, the body a temple for natural religions. Human visions are the prayer for a union. Beginning in darkness with the shaker, creator calls his thoughts home as the first voice before light dawns. Earth's rhythms are the creator's drum, the great hoop dance life's first celebration. They call 
the organization of life on earth, the great hoop dance. And from the first couple of pages in chapter two, I'm just going to introduce you to Pauline. This is Pauline with her partner at the time, Vern, and her family, her, her children, and her granddaughter. So this is a piece taken from 1990. This is the woman who asked the good grandfathers to give her a vision in her fast. She is the one who heard the baby crying in her vision. She is the one who was directed to found Wandering Spirit Survival School, the first Native Way school in Canada. Whenever she introduces herself, she offers her Indian name followed by an English translation, then her clan. She gives the Cree rendition of her nation, followed by an English translation, her band, and their territory. Only then does she offer the audience her Christian name. She offers her standing in the Midday teaching lodge she belongs to, her age, and some details relative to her experience in life. She says, My name is Nimkikwe, Thunder Woman of the Bird Clan, Nahi Isquil, a Cree woman from Saddle Lake, Alberta. I am also known as Pauline Shirt. I'm a second degree Midday, Three Fires Society. I am 55 years old. I raised 13 children, five of my own, and I am a grandmother. This form of address is the traditional way of her people. This is the way to show respect to the audience, she explains. It says who I am, my connections to the earth plane. Then they can understand me. Then they know where I come from. She is not only speaking of geographical references, though these are important. In this introduction, her clan speaks of her role in the community, while her teaching lodge speaks of her spiritual path and her training. Her age and her experience as a parent and grandparent are levels of achievement. They are earned like her degrees. With this orientation, the audience is given a context for her viewpoint so they can better understand her perceptions. This is critical. In native way, a difference in presentation, sorry, a difference in perception is anticipated. This introduction acts as a kind of signposting, the equivalent of landmarks on a conceptual map for relationships. So that's Pauline who is now, I think, 77 and in ill health. This happened when I tripped. She'd gone to the hospital two days before this accident, saying, I'm going to the hospital to get my heart checked out. The morning of this accident, I saw a post by her daughter which said, we just lost a loved one. And I was so afraid that it was her because the book was not yet printed. <laughs> so I was distracted and I tripped where the tree root raised the sidewalk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In any case, that's that book. Do you want us to save questions? To yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that would probably be best. Um, this book is a collection of stories which are also collected over decades. 
Um, I've been writing stories as long as I've been writing poetry, and I just never collected them into a book before. So there's stories in here about teenage girls that go to the mall and encounter a streamliner that has a part of a freak show in the 1950s, and they wander through, and it's an experience. There's a story in there about a farmer, a dairy farmer, who befriends the children across the road, and, um, well, <laughs> he's a lovely man. He thought they listened uh, to a warning that he gave them, and they didn't, and there was rather a drastic consequence. Um, anyway, in this particular story, um, it's a story of a woman who is widowed from uh, a police officer who died on the job, and it's called Turning Point. She's talking to her female friend about the latest um, incident with her son. Anyway, this is the uh, woman herself speaking. He's messed up this past year at high school too, Tracy continues, after doing so well in el elementary school. It's as if some button was pushed when we lost Kevin, turning him into an outraged, confused teenage terror. And he's a big guy, so he's really scary in that state. I bet it feels like that for him too, Tracy. I mean, I've known him all his life. Our kids have grown up together. He was always the sweetest boy, so polite. But I've seen the change in him since Kevin passed. It's like he's thrown this cloak over his shoulders saying, I'm just a badass. I'm sure he's as confused as anyone can be. He was incredibly hurt by the loss of his dad. So now he thinks that having feelings for other people causes only pain. That's why he's acting like this towards you. You and I both know that he still loves his mother dearly. I know, really I do, but I feel so unacknowledged day after day. I sat him down at the dining table practically every night this past year, asking to see his agenda, helping him with his homework when I could. I gave him support. I wrote to his homeroom teacher and asked her to help, to let me know what was going on at school in case he didn't tell me. I know it's been a hard year for him, but it's been a tough year for me too. He won't hear that, though. Does he think I'm made of stone? That just because we were separated means I don't miss his father? God, it would have been so much easier if he and I could have supported each other after Kevin was gone instead of fighting. Maybe he's old enough that you should ask him to sit down and listen to your side. The problem is, our two understandings of his father are black and white. Neither one of us can see Kevin through the other's eyes. Maybe that's what you have to accept then, that each of you has a different piece of the conundrum that is called Kevin. Neither one of you knew him entirely. Tracy lifted both of her arms straight out in front of her, her hands making a grasping motion. To me, that's the beauty of it. But to Jason, it's the root of a great tragedy. And I think he puts all of the blame for everything that has happened onto me. It is a tragedy, Tracy. Even when we want to, human beings find it so hard to reveal ourselves fully to each other. 
It isn't that we don't try, but sometimes a third party can just can't know the side of a person. Oh, sorry. But sometimes a third party just can't know a side of the person we love. Knowing this is essential to understanding what someone else sees in them, that it might be different than our perspective. It's hard, and he's still a kid, however close he is to the age of majority. He just wants it to be easy. A son can't know his father in the way that his wife or his mother or even his sisters do. It's just that simple. Crazy, mixed-up boy, she snorted. You know, I think he still wants to piece Kevin back together somehow. Over the past year, it's been like living with Dr. Frankenstein as he tries to assemble his creature. He keeps asking me questions about Kevin, and he's mad that I don't know him the way other people did. I mean, how does he expect me to understand his father the way his grandmother and aunt do? I didn't know Kevin his entire life. I didn't watch him develop from a child into a man. But that's only part of who Kevin was. They didn't know him as I know him either. Knew him, she corrected herself. I just wonder when I'll get a chance to go through my own grieving process. Oh, you will. It's one of those things you might push off but you can't avoid it forever. So that's a piece of that story. And I don't know if anyone has heard of Second Story, which is a bookstore in Toronto. Mm -hmm. This is a story that developed when I was, I was I'm suffering from writer's block and I went looking for inspiration for a story. So I went into the bookstore, and somehow that inspired this story. Um, I've come in, and um, or the characters come into the bookstore and is looking at the bookshelves and uh, notices rainbows and looks back to see that the uh, beveling in the window is what has caused the rainbows. I turn back to the bookcase, still scouting. One title splashed by rainbows raises goosebumps along my arms. I tilt that book outward to peek at the cover while it is still sandwiched between its neighbors. Instinct tells me that I'm on the trail now. I cannot resist its demand to be pulled from the shelf and held. The pebbly texture of its wrapping already whispers tales through the tips of my fingers, calling out with the author's name and a title that echoes times gone by. A sepia photograph fills its face from edge to edge, the cover triggering lightning recognition. This is not an author's portrait, but the whisper of other familiars. Four children are lined up for the camera. From their clothing, it is a snapshot from the 1950s, my own era. The shot masquerades as casual, but its composition is off-kilter, bonkers. They're all squinting against the sun, mouths strangling squeals, the black spaniel in the galvanized tub shaking a wild dog spray of soapy water in all directions. The camera catches all of this, the gyrating dog, the frothy spray hitting like a whip, the children's hands raised in defense against the soapy onslaught and gla glaring sunlight. Obediently, they have turned toward the camera, toward the photographer whose shadow has stretched across the lawn to the same tub where they often strip down for a weekly bath on the front lawn in warm weather. 
Drawing on memories from my own childhood, I recognize the foment brewing in those eyes, smiling for the sake of the camera, smiling for the family album, posing as if they already forgive the photographer, though that will take many years. Even children can recognize the avarice of a collector, the way this moment has taken him over. With each photograph, he captures the light of recognition in their eyes, the knowing. It is not their moment, but his. It is not for art or even for family history that he does this. It is for the collection. He is assembling some image of himself within the Gestalt consciousness. His photo albums, a jigsaw portrait, recording his passing through a variety of landscapes, various groupings of people. This is his version of the graffiti scrawled on the steep-cut edges of pink granite and black basalt where the Northern Ontario Highway slices through a hill, announcing John H. was here. Melissa loves Patrick. I think I'll stop there. That was Sharon Bird. Let's give her another hand. CFRC 101.9 FM's annual funding drive starts the week of November 3rd. The Student Choice Initiative has put a big dent in our coffers and we need your support to maintain operations, increase local news, sports and arts coverage, and to continue providing programs, services and training for community members seeking to share their voices, perspectives, services and more for the benefit of the whole community. Please help by donating online through our GoFundMe campaign, found through our website, www.cfrc.ca, and through social media. We need your help more than ever. Donate this November. And just before that uh, promotion for the funding drive... Uh, you heard Sharon Berg launching her two just-released books called Naming the Shadows and The Name Unspoken, Wandering Spirits Survival School. Up next, uh, with her just-also-released book, here is Elizabeth Green. Up next... Oops. Up next, Elizabeth Green edited and contributed to We Who Can Fly... Uh, Poems, Essays, and Memories in Honor of Adele Wiseman, uh, Comorant, uh, 1997, which won the Betty and Morris Aaron Prize for Best Scholarship on a Canadian Subject. She has published three collections of poetry, The Iron Shoes, Moving and Understories, and a novel, A Season Among Psychics, Anana, 2018. Her poem, Perfect Purple Rose, will be included in Rona Altro's anthology, you look good for your age. Forthcoming from <laughs> University of Alberta Press. Tonight she is reading from and launching the long-awaited the Dowager, uh, Dowager Empress. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> well, thank
Thanks very much, Bruce. And I'd also like to thank Oscar and Novel Idea for being so welcoming to writers. I mean, we're so lucky to, to have it. And Joanna, for the amazing food. I mean, we're lucky to have that, too. There's <laughs> I don't think there's any other bookstore in Canada that, that has tapas like these. <laughs> so, um, Okay, so it's a great privilege to have selected some of Adele Wiseman's poems for the Dowager Empress, and it was a great privilege to read them in the York University archives. I first read them in the 90s when I was um, trying to figure out what I was going to write for We Who Can Fly, and I discovered four boxes of poetry. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd been on my high school and university newspapers, and I know what a scoop is. So, <laughs> um, but it took me a, a long time to persuade Adele's daughter to let me edit these poems. I'm grateful to her. Yeah. I'm very grateful to her. And I'm also, she also did the cover art, which, yes. you know, which is amazing. I mean, Adele Wiseman is, is really big on inherited talent and that you don't know a family until you know three generations. That, you know, that's true of her. Yeah. It's true in her novels, and it's true in her memoir of her mother, Old Woman at Play. Um, it's true in her privately printed play, Testimonial Dinner. Um, that's part of her structure. Um, okay, so I've had a request for who who is Adele Wiseman, and I, you know, I've talked about this book um, enough that I know that many people do not remember <laughs> Adele Wiseman. Um, so I always say she was Margaret Lawrence's best friend and writing friend. Um, and I, I taught the diviners and crackpot together in about three courses. And if you, you know, if you love the diviners, and you can read slowly, you'll see a lot of similarities between the Diviners and Crackpot. Although, of course, um, crack, Crackpot pushes more boundaries, I think. It's, um, it's about a teenager whose mother dies, and she has to support her blind father. And she tries cleaning houses, but she turns to prostitution, which um, pays better. <laughs> and her, her father makes baskets, but, <laughs> but they're, um, they're almost too beautiful. And you know, they're almost too beautiful to sell. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm skipping along in Crackpot. So, so Hoda, the heroine, um, sort of throws in baskets after her tricks. I mean, she's very enterprising. <laughs> I mean, she, she's a great heroine, and yeah. Crackpot is, you know, I, I think an amazing book, and that's, that's how I discovered Adele Wiseman. I was reading Crackpot, and I, every once in a while I read a book that I think, this book is wonderful. I'm supposed to know something about literature, and I've never read this book before. And, and that yeah. was one of them. Um, so, uh, so Margaret Lawrence's best friend and writing friend, and if you love Margaret Lawrence, Ad Adele is almost is almost the other half of her. Um, as as with some friends, you don't you don't really know either one of them until you know both. Um, well, you know Margaret Lawrence, but you'll know her better once you read Adele Wiseman. 
because she also has the strength of conviction, to use Margaret Lawrence's phrase. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so the, the out, the, um, Adele Wiseman's novel, The Sacrifice, won the Governor General's Award when Adele was 28 in mm -hmm. 1956. She was born in 1928. Um, she met Margaret Lawrence when they were both student, uh, at students at the University of Manitoba or just afterwards. Anyway, she, they met in Winnipeg and they became lifelong friends. Um, and The Sacrifice was this huge success and Adele was 28. Um, then she spent about 14 years writing Crackpot, which she had a terrific, a hard time getting published, and she didn't get it published until Margaret Lawrence, Mar Margaret Atwood finally read it for McClellan and Stewart and suggested some revisions which Adele, you know, she stood at the kitchen sink washing dishes and she swore but she, <laughs> but she made the revisions and the book was published and it, it is an amazing book and you know, it, once, you, once you've read it, you won't forget it. But you've got to read it slowly because if you don't read it slowly, you'll miss a sentence and you won't know what happened to the plot. Mm. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I like that. I, I mean, there's, you know, there are some books you can settle into like Armchairs and Crackpot is one of them. Um, um, then Adele also wrote a wonderful memoir of her mother called Old Woman at Play. Her mother made dolls, and they're, you know, they're quirky and memorable, and they're, you know, they're not what anyone would expect, and she made them out of scraps. So Adele's memoir of her mother is sort of a meditation on creativity, and it's about her mother's creativity and Adele's and her daughter Tamara's creativity, and, you know, and this is, this is evidence of where Tamara's creativity went. I mean, she... She's been, um, she's been doing sort of graphic arts and films, but you can see she's, you know, she's inherited her mother's gifts and her grandmother's gift. Um, and Adele also um, wrote essays called Memoirs of a Book Molesting Childhood, which are lovely. And then a lot of, um, then the work of her last 10 years is mostly poetry, not not all po poetry. She also wrote a great story called Goon of the Moon and the Expendables, which is about three challenged children in an institution and their, their plan to get out and meet for coffee at Young and Bloor. And um, Adele tended to write about people on the margin. She tended to write about people that it might not be fun to meet in the streets, but she makes them you know, she makes them unforgettable characters. And she said in a workshop, where I'm going, you haven't been. And that's how she wrote. Um, she, she didn't do what anyone expected her to do, and it meant that it wasn't fantastically easy for her to get published after the great success of The Sacrifice. So, you know, of course, I have a soft spot for a writer like this, especially since she's a great writer. I mean, she. Um, um, so, does that give you a sense of who she is? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, I wanted to publish, or I wanted to edit these poems 
um, in the 1990s, but Adele's daughter thought that Adele's dear friend Arlene Lampert was going to edit them. Um, Arlene Lampert is, you know, um, was the wife of Gerald Lampert, the Lampert Award, so he was a poet, but she was not. So it took her a long time to edit them, and she she didn't really have a, a sense of how to put a book together. So she she just had a lot of poems and no introduction, and they sent them out, and they you know they weren't published. And I said, well, send them to Anana because um, Luciana Ricitelli had been interested in Adele's poems almost the minute I mentioned them. Um, and then I reviewed them for Inanna, and I said, this book needs an introduction. Um, and I didn't hear from either of them. And then, then I had a dream that the poems wanted to be out in the world. So I wrote Adele's daughter, <laughs> and I said, I dreamed that these poems wanted to be out in the world. And the book needs an introduction, and I nominate myself. <laughs> so Tamara said, OK. And then I looked at the manuscript, and I thought, nope, the manuscript needs um, it needs more selecting, it's too long, and it's just arranged by date, and I hope I haven't done violence to Adele by um, selecting a few of the poems and um, dividing the manuscript into five sections, but that's what I did. Um, and I also tried to write an introduction that, that framed the poems. Okay, so, um, so then I submitted the manuscript to Inanna, and Luciana was, you know, really ready for it, and she accepted it, but it had to wait in line to come out. So this, this book, this book hasn't taken a ton of work, but it's, it's been waiting in the wings for a long time. And, um, and I want to thank Luciana for her, um, her interest in the poems, just really as soon as she heard about them. And I, when I submitted them, I thought there was no question that the book would be accepted and it would come out. Um, <coughs> okay, and then I also want to thank in absentia um, David Lawrence, who let us use this author photograph of, of Adele. She was very suspicious of the camera. That's <laughs> something that I also find really sympathetic. <laughs> and you know, this this is the best picture I've ever seen of her. Um, so I, you know, I knew that that was right for the author picture. Okay. So. Okay. So I'll read you just a few of. Oh, what else should I say? Um, there, there were four boxes of poetry, of poems, in the York University archives. Adele um, selected 332 that she thought she wanted to publish. Um, there's nowhere near 332 poems <laughs> in this book. I mean, I, um, and I didn't, you know, I, I took poems from all over. I took or all over the four boxes of poetry. Um, so some she had selected, some she hadn't. Um, one, is an, um, one is an idea note that she didn't in intend as a poem, but her daughter Tamara said, if it's in the archives, she thought it was fine to publish. 
Um, I don't, I don't know if Tamara thought that that was true of her, you know, her grocery lists and her, <laughs> you know, her, her notes for Christmas dinner. But you know, those, I, you know, I find that very sympathetic too. I mean, these are these were all in the archives in between the poems. Um, um, they're not, they're not there now. The, the archives have been have been cleaned up, which I'm rather sorry about. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, it, was, it was very, and um, also when I worked through the poetry, I found the idea notes for her last story, Goon of the Moon and the Expendables. So she was thinking about that story as she was writing the poems, and she was writing poems about worms, and worms got into Goon of the Moon and the Expendables. It was, you know, it was re it was really interesting. Okay, so so I'll read a few of the poems, and. Oh yeah, and um, oh yeah, and I want to thank you all for coming because you know Adele Wiseman is not that well known anymore, and it's um, it's very glad, it's very lovely to have you welcoming her into the world. This is her first book since 1992. <laughs> um, 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 and one of the, th oh yeah, the last thing I want to say is, um, one of the things that a book can do is keep the writer's voice alive. And I hope this book will help to keep Adele's voice alive and possibly even lead you to some of her other books. But she, you know, she was a wonderful writer and a wonderful person who I didn't know well, but I feel I, you know, I know her a bit from the poems and then I taught Crackpot many, many, many times. Um, okay, so so here are some of the poems. Loved one, you said you would call again. Should I hold my breath again? <laughs> so this is from a section about poetry. Never put a poem off. It's a vain, capricious thing. You may put off eating. You may defer play. You may even briefly put your love away. But ask a flash of verse to wait till you find pencil, pen, or slate in vain. You'll never see that joy made word again. Mm -hmm. um, this is, I cannot, I cannot break faith. Let others do what they can do. Let me do what only I can do. <coughs> so, you know, that's something we should all have mm -hmm. up on our walls. <laughs> um, okay, and these are selections from a sequence called Instructions from Poems in Progress. And I know Bruce has heard some of these, and some of you may have too. From the very first Find Me, Assume the privilege of the child, adult ascendancy, the ex-cathedra tone of absolute authority. They come in emotional code without the verbal key. There must be an instruction too. That must be an instruction too. At crucial times, mere words interfere with poetry. It begins in Revelation's crucible passionate mind, idea of a poem waits on voice, voice waits, 
on idea of a poem, voice and idea fused in poet's heat, fulfill each other. Poem goes off dancing into the typeset. Poet blows kisses till it's gone. Alone again, poor fool, and hooked on continuous creation. Poet goes frantic, hot for another one. To discover what you want to say, you have to try to say it. Not only what you want to say, but how it's said makes what you want to say what you want said. (laughs) 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 Welcome surprises. Ignore temptation of the easy and familiar. They will quickly bore. Their function is to be discarded possibility, milestones. Their significance is that you pass them by. Cultivate the pleasure of rejecting. The more rigorously you reject it, the less you are likely, despite appearances, to be beginning anew. Always obey dissatisfaction. The greatest uncertainty is not in the setting out, but in the moment before completion. The moment of most intense dissatisfaction precedes the miraculous synthesis. You should always be surprised by the end result. It's the moment when you learn what you've been about. Do not resent time spent. The final poem, no matter how strenuously won, is always given. Later, when the poem's done, stands integral and alone, I linger in the mental field, still fingering the way it felt, get caught in the precipitate as all these mysteries translate around the one that got away soak in the rain of afterwards, feel like a critic out of it, awash in findings and afraid in all that flood of smugly connected words. My new instruction, the very first find me, will choose to refuse to make itself heard. Okay, so so that um, the next section is unrequited love poems. I'm only going to read a couple from these. It's, they're they're constructed as a story. Um, in Adele, well, Adele had two file folders that she'd revised for publication, but they were all short poems. One was called In Our Play, and that was the unrequited love poems. But many of them were short, so I kept the arc of the story and I put in some longer poems. But this is a short poem. Experience, it seems, affects the expectations, not the dreams. Um, A good part of the art of self-defense is to survive what you are learning. I I thought I should have that put on a (laughs) t-shirt when I was teaching. (laughs) My nemesis has been the back that kills by turning. And this is rhymed primal. Eve and Adam kiss, taste innocent wedded bliss, hear a little hiss. (laughs) <laughs> okay, and then the next section is also an Adele title. The other file folder with 22 poems um, is called Mysteries of Flight. But again, they're short and there are a lot of haiku, so I put in longer ones, but I kept Adele's title. 
and uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that there were 22 poems in each folder because 22 is a secret number. It's the number of, of letters in the Hebrew alphabet. I don't know if Adele thought about that or not, <laughs> but she might have, <laughs> because Crackpot crack is um, is based on a Jewish myth, which Adele heard about on the radio. <laughs> Okay, so this, this is a poem for tomorrow. It's called Currents and um, Mysteries of Flight. Um, Adele and Tamara shared the Daedalus Icarus myth, and I think um, Adele made sort, sort of puppets or papier mache figures, and they were both very interested in flight. Okay, Currents for tomorrow. Those of us who fly know currents, learn tricks from birds the skill to navigate the invisible, take off into the wind. We who swim read currents on the skin, no pull of tides and tug of undertow, learn limits of the thrill of mastery. Who know the world ride shifting currents, learn to balance in capricious flow, learn to look as though we're going where we want to go. We dreamers are seized by subterranean currents, navigate blind alleys of the mind, know the unbuttoned universe of flux and fears between the ears. Lovers, we learn to feel equations of emotion, know how to make one in searing currents fusion, know we're briefly current and done, but oh, who stepped up the current so? I have been daring in my time, have flown, swum, navigated blind, and know the salmon's desperate wisdom. To assure tomorrow, love, for you, I would to my own current's end against all currents go. Okay, and this is an autumn haiku. Leaves leave after rain, imprint of captured shadows, pavement remembers. Um, and this is one that was published in Adele's lifetime. It's um, called Ascent. Ascent is sheer delight, but sudden birds must face a danger of return, so swift it baffles flight. And there, you'd think, is where the skill comes in, to break the dive but neither reflexes nor timing can control the throttle grip of your hand on my heart or my tailspin. The perilous moment for all high flyers is descent. Okay, and um, if you know um, Adele at all, you know she was very political. Um, there's a lot of politics in, in Crackpot. Um, so, I just have maybe three political poems, uh, maybe four. Anyway, this this is one, and um, Armand referred to this in his lovely endorsement for the book, and so did Kenneth Sherman. So that's two of the four endorsers. So, mopping up, <coughs> biographers papering over closets, Gentiles expunging traces of Jews, men ignoring the story of women newspapers censoring the news, history one long mopping up process aimed at erasing alternate voices. So that was written in 1983, it hasn't dated, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
um, the nation e evil, that nation evil against which you will not raise your voice today, tomorrow fully grown, won't let you raise your head. That hasn't dated either. <laughs> um, and I'll end with um, what is the night, a fancy for children. What is the night, dark bird at rest, fluffed out over her brood, her nest? Where does night go, condensed like dew, star embedded, the starlings flew, each little bird a flying nest, tired stars rocking to daylight rest? Where is the moon, bright eye of night, will sometimes stay to watch the light. Great golden bird, whose eye is sun, awake the world to day begun. Earth's creatures stretch and fledglings grow, pale moons amazed how colors glow. Where does day go? Night spreads its wings, day shuts its eye like all tired things. So thank you. Green, let's give her another hand. No, it was Elizabeth Green trying to channel the voice of the dead wise. I'd like to save plenty of time for the authors to chat with people individually, sign copies of their book, but it sounded like there was a bit of interest for questions. Mm -hmm. So maybe about five or so, 10 minutes, something like that for questions, and then we'll, we'll do that. So do you both want to come up here again? Let's bring them up. Question: You, when you were giving Pauline's um, address, you mentioned something about Firekeeper, the Three Fire Society. Yeah, well, because they had a thing when they had the fires in um, Alberta and BC, they were talking about bringing in like how the uh, indigenous communities assigned firekeeping, and they never had problems with fires because of that. Fire, and I wondered if that Firekeeper is a specialized duty. People grow up learning how to be a firekeeper. So they that have, wasn't part... Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. When they have ceremonies or, or something like that, they'll light a fire that stays lit through the entire event. Oh, okay. And, and the people that surround the fire and are the firekeepers, they're not able to go and participate but they are participating because they're fire keepers. Oh, okay. If you get what I mean. Mm -hmm. Three Fire Society is a spiritual organization. Um, I think this one's for you, Elizabeth. Oh. What, what, what was the Jewish myth? Oh, it it's a tikkun olam that, and here I'm. Um, it's in Crackpot that God God made the world whole, but then 
broke it into pieces and that Atikam Olm is, is gathering the pieces up which we do in this fallen world and Crackpot, well Crackpot, the name suggests the Crackpot yeah. and, um, and Crackpot is just filled with you know shards and broken pots and gathering things together and things coming back together. So, you know, I, I'm sorry, that's very vague, but that's sort of what it is. Huh? It's, it's the idea of the universe being a cracked pot, and then the vessel is broken, and then we have to try to gather the pieces up. Kind of implies Piesto, too, right? The crackpot? Yes, that's right. That you know, it's a it's a title that has that's various funny. levels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all you know. It's also yeah. sort of nutty, huh? Yeah, and which Hoda certainly is, huh? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Why did Why did she give her papers to uh, York? I would have thought they'd go to Winnipeg. No. Um. Well, York got Margaret Lawrence's papers first, and when I met her when she came to um, be the keynote speaker at a Banri um, council meeting, and she said that York was, at, you know, asking for her papers, and I said, well, you know, I'm sure they'll be worth a lot of money, so I don't know if that, that had anything to do with her selling her papers to York, but they wanted her papers because they had Margaret Lawrence's papers. Right, so she's the other half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. and she was even more obviously the other half in the 80s. Yeah, interesting. Because I would have assumed they'd go to Winnipeg. No, well, okay. I, York, York paid for them. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard some wonderful questions. I'm sure they'd love to chat with you individually and maybe sign a copy of their book. Let's please give Elizabeth and Sharon another round of applause. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Thanks. Yeah. And Oscar and Joanna again. Yeah. 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 And you, <coughs> excuse me, you just heard Elizabeth Green uh, launching and reading from her latest book, The Dowager Empress, uh, Poems of Adele Wiseman, and then a short uh, Q&A following the readings. Uh, knew this was going to be tight, but we did manage to get it in the, in the hour here. And so I do have a few recorded announcements uh, that I'll just play that will uh, just a, a couple of minutes or so. Uh, but in, before I do that, I guess I suppose what I should do while we're still in this hour is um, say thanks for tuning in to the first hour today. Hope you can stay tuned uh, for the second hour. Uh, we'll move into some of the readings from the October 1st and the Journey Continues open mic reading at the Elm Cafe. And I'll spend a bit of time between segments. I'm just playing three segments from that uh, to conclude the first hour of that event, and I will uh, be talking uh, quite often about the funding drive. And uh, I should also mention now that each hour of this show every week is uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after it airs. And uh, that site is finding a voice on CFRCFM.wordpress.com.
wordpress.com. We'll remain there for four years. And I'll tell you what, let's just do this, and I'll catch you right here, right back after the top of the hour. It's CFRC's annual funding drive throughout the month of November. If you want to donate and support your campus community radio station, head to CFRC.ca. We've set up a GoFundMe campaign to make donating easy. Just click Donate Now on our website and select the amount you'd like to give. Every donation over $50 enters you into one of our daily raffles. Prizes go from November 3rd to the 9th. For more information, visit CFRC.ca and remember to donate now. I'm David Suzuki. The average lunch or dinner travels 2,400 kilometers to get to your table. Eating local means combating global warming. The future is on your table. Eat your way to a healthier planet. Find out how at davidsuzuki.org. Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC, listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the East Coast of Canada. Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland. Since 1922, CFRC Radio has been the campus and community radio station for Queens and Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is both listener-supported and listener-created radio, bringing both music and spoken word content to our community on 101.9 FM and around the world on cfrc.ca. Support locally created media. Learn more at cfrc.ca. And it is uh, almost 5.02 at this point, so... uh just thought I'd let you know you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. Uh, my name is Bruce, and here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock, we do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. And in this second hour, you'll hear from the October 1st and the Journey Continues reading in that monthly open mic series. Readings by Matt Dravenstadt, Sarah Emtish, Karen Rudy, Sasha Hill, Lyle Miriam, Corey Toke, Joshua Schiff, Alyssa Cooper, Adrian Yee, Brent Raycroft, Eric Folsom, and me. And uh, I'm going to spend uh, considerable time, actually, between these segments uh, uh, about talking about uh, CFRC, uh, our and I guess I don't have to say CFRC, our annual funding drive uh, running this year from uh, began uh, last Sunday, right, uh, November 3rd, uh, and it runs till the end of the month this year, so that in itself is different, uh, and it also runs uh, much differently in that it's online this year as well, uh, almost strictly online, and uh, I'll take... A little more time uh, in the second segment here to talk about that. But the one thing I want to mention, there are raffles going on as part of that. I will let you know, I think I mentioned it in the first hour, uh, that you can find all of this online at www.cfrc.ca, our website. And uh, you'll see that the the home page, the main page, it opens up to just 
floats through four different images, three other images other than the one it starts with, and they're each segmented. Now, one of those was an event that already happened, so uh, that part is done. But if you stick with it and it only takes a few seconds for it to flow through, you'll see one that talks about the raffles. And uh, they're daily raffles, and they're going on each day this week, uh, this first week of the funding drive. I can tell you today's raffle includes two KPP uh, uh, Kingston Punk Production tickets to a performance by the Mahones at the mansion on uh, December 13th, a Brian's Record Option Certificate, a gift from a package from the Elm Cafe that consists of an Elm tote bag, a $25 gift card, a retail bag of their pilot coffee, and a bag of bloom tea. And I think it's mixed teas in that bag. Uh, you can be eligible to enter the raffle with a donation of $50 or more, and you get extra chances to win for donations of more than 50 So say like $100 gets you three tickets, 200 gets you five. Anyway, it's all on that page, and you can get all the information there, and they even goes all the way up to, well, for, for instance, $500 will get you uh, 15 tickets. So you get that many chances uh, to win in the uh, so please, again, visit the website if you want to know more about the raffles. Uh, and it talks about each daily raffle, and we'll run that way through Sunday. I can tell you uh, that draws happen at midnight each day, and the winner is announced between 8 and 10 a.m. the following morning on air and on our social media sites. And I had mentioned, in, as I just went over today's offerings in uh, in the raffle, the Elm Cafe is one of the businesses supporting this funding drive and offering gifts for this raffle draw. And I just wanted to mention as we lead into this hour that it's just an incredible cafe. The owners are simply wonderful and generous people. And uh, they both jumped at the chance of providing space for our wandering kind of at that point open mic reading series. We were kind of going from venue to venue every couple of years. So when I needed one, and so they just jumped at it when I needed one. So now that, hard to believe, was almost two years ago, and we're still there. And I guess that might kind of be a nice segue. I don't know. don't know if I really planned it this way, but it uh, kind of fits that I'm just going to bring up the first set of readings. I need to say first that, in case I didn't, uh, the usual hourly announcement that occasionally some spoken word uh, music or poetry played on this show may contain strong language, but all is played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. And I did air several readings from this last week, so we're going to use this this hour to finish up the first half of that event. Again, the And the Journey Continues open mic reading series at the Elm Cafe. This one happened on October 1st. And uh, done in the rounds, so again, you're going to hear three or four poets, uh, usually, uh, reading one poem each, and uh, that's how I've kind of grouped the readings. So coming up, here are Matt Drabenstadt, Sarah Emtish, Karen Rudy, and Sasha Hill. As we give Ken Chan another hand, let's bring up Matt Drabenstadt. <laughs>
Hello everyone, uh, it's good to be here. I only have one short poem tonight, uh, pretty much because I only wrote one poem in the last month. But this is the only poem that I've been able to work on, I think over the last two months, I've been kind of mulling it over, and um, it's still unfinished. So, and I think uh, that fact is reflective about where I am in uh, this poem. This poem is about prayer. What is prayer but fistfuls of ash tossed into the black night, suspended in a moonbeam but for a moment, before a feather fallen into my stargazed lashes, the rest scattered as far as the wind will carry them, a cosmic pause. Only then to reach into my shipwrecked heart, salvaging debris, planks, and faith, to kindle, to burn, to warm. Thanks. Give him another hand as we bring up Sarah M. Frightened, 
It is the first time I have ever truly liked my hair. That was Karen Rudy as we give her another hand. Let's bring up Sasha Hill.
And you just heard Matt Drabenstadt, Sarah Emtige, Karen Rudy, and Sasha Hill in the October 1st. And the journey continues reading in that monthly open mic series held again now for almost two years at the Elm Cafe. And uh, I'm going to spend just a couple of minutes. I, I kind of mentioned uh, briefly uh, how to access, how you can access uh, the funding drive campaign that's going on. Again, it launched on Sunday, uh, uh, November 3rd, and it's going to continue uh, through the month of November. So again, if you're used to the old way, it's kind of a bit uh, different this year. And there, are, you'll find uh, if again, if you go to the our homepage, www.cfrc.ca, uh, you can sort of donate one of two ways. If uh, you go through the GoFundMe campaign, uh, and there's actually, a, you can just click on it. It's a direct link if you click on it. Where you, when you see GoFundMe campaign, when you uh, go into that, I guess I should backtrack and say the first page that comes up at that site is just our normal or our usual uh, homepage. But then it begins to slide through the first page that comes up after that. Uh, it talks about... Uh, the funding drive itself, and I think probably just about all the information is on there. Uh, and uh, but then, if you go back to the home page, it will then click through an event that did happen on when was it Wednesday evening, and then again it goes to the raffle page that I already talked about. But if we go back to that first, not the main home page, but the first one that says, and it's quite obvious, it says. Uh, 2019 CFRC funding drive. Uh, you can click on the GoFundMe campaign uh, if you've read through and you decide you want to donate. And uh, it's uh, again accessible at www.cfrc.ca. And uh, and social media as well. Uh, but if you click on there, that is for people who. Maybe want to uh, just donate without uh, getting a tax receipt. Excuse me a second. Sorry, I had to sneeze. I didn't want to do that on air. And uh, our website, uh, I'm sorry, go, go to the GoFundMe campaign if you've decided you just want to. And that will also let you qualify for the raffles if, again, those start at $50. $50. So... Uh, you can do that, or you just want to simply help us out. And, uh, again, we're trying to increase uh, things that we're trying to do. I mean, we're always working to promote local musicians, artists, grassroots organizations. And uh, we're, we'd also like to increase our live on-the-scene news and sports uh, broadcasting and recording. And we need equipment uh, to do that. We also have old equipment wearing out, so... Uh, we have a number of reasons uh, and uh, places uh, that uh, your donations uh, uh, will be a great benefit for. And I meant to do it at the start of the show, but I would like to thank all of those who have already donated this year and who have donated in past years. Uh, you are making all the difference, and you have made all the difference. And i got to sneeze again. Sorry. <coughs> must be allergy season or something. Anyway, uh, 
The other way you can donate on that page is uh, it's called Queen's Giving, and that's for donors who are seeking a tax uh, receipt for their donation. So go click on that link if that's uh, where you'd like to donate, and uh, and uh, that goes to a different bucket, I guess. And the best way to put it, and uh, that way anybody that goes through that site uh, will definitely will know that they want a tax receipt. So there you go, and you will get one uh, at some point, uh, probably fairly soon, because again, close to the end of the year. Now that we have uh, these annual funding drives in November, uh, we started that last year, moved it from the more traditional. February earlier in the year, waited till November, and this uh, seems to be working well enough. I think we're going to probably keep it this way, but that's definitely how we're doing it this year. Again, if uh, you like what you hear, if you're, if you think uh, nonprofit uh, and volunteer-driven radio station is important, and you want to help us out, I've given you. The page on our website and also the two links you have that uh, you can do that with and I'll tell you what let's go ahead and let's hear some more poetry let's go back into the October 1st and the journey continues open mic reading in that monthly series again held at the Elm Cafe up from it next you're going to hear readings by Lyle Miriam Corey Toke Joshua Schiff and Alyssa Cooper This is called Good Advice. I didn't know who I could talk to. I didn't know who I could see about family, career, and love life and things that were happening to me. So I called up my psychic friend to ask what I should do about family, career, and love life one night at a quarter to two. And she said, press three to hear your fortune, <laughs> to hear your future and what's in your stars. Press three to hear your fortune, things that will be and things that are. Thanks a lot, lady. Last night I had a discussion about things in my life as they are, about family, career, and love life, but they were closing up the bar. I had a long talk with my flesh and blood friend about things that we're going to do, about families, careers, and love lives, last night at a quarter to two. And she said, you're free to change your fortune, to change your future. It's in the stars that you're free to change your fortune, to change where you'll be, to change where you are. You're free to change your fortune, to change your future. It's in the stars that you're free to change your fortune, to change where you're going, just change where you are. Thank you. So give another hand to Lyle Mary. Let's bring up Corey Toke. Right, so we're back on Mars this month. War God's Curse. We appropriate the war god's power, march across his namesake with loads normally beyond terrestrial gravity's limits on human musculature. 
in return, we combat the war god's curse. Lower gravity, muscle atrophy. Strength erodes, slowed only through acts of daily exertion. Thank you. Give Tori Toke another hand. Let's bring up Joshua Schiff. It's called Buriti. A barren wasteland, you stand alone, as you walked inside my home. Lifeless miles of dirt and sand, but on the other hand, you know that you have been somewhere like this before. You know where to look and you know where it resides. So you dig and pry, but the dirt remains hard and dry. As the pain in your hands brings tears to your eyes, trying to find something that wants to hide. Your eyes rain droplets upon the surface of the ground. The soil moistens as the moisture trickles through the cracks and down. Towards the sound, buried deep, my heart, that once fully lost, but now is found. So give another hand to Joshua Schiff. Let's bring up Alyssa Cooper. my jaw, the blood of my eyes given fire by the sun, and I wonder if the earth remembers my searching fingers. How I dug a hole deep enough to be a grave and then planted seeds instead of a body, called it mercy when I pruned the leaves, called it a harvest, an insect sip at my salty skin now. I wonder what they taste. Do they weep when they slip their tongues inside me? Are they hardened by the memories hiding in my veins, or do they stay by the sweetness? I forgive them what they steal, let them drink their fill. We are the same, after all, only searching for survival, only longing to sip at the wrists of leviathans. I imagine myself a benevolent god, a cup overflowing. I am a column of blood in the shape of a girl. I hear a rumbling in the distance, and I convince myself that it is thunder, storm on the horizon, crack in the clouds, heartbeat in the sky. I think of all the things I know but don't remember learning, the names of trees for the shape of their leaves, that the heat of the sun makes storm clouds. How a body planted will yield fruit if you let it. What will the earth beneath my fingernails teach me, old friend, cold dirt, slipping into my nail beds like razor blades slip through wrists? What will alien tongues leave beneath my skin like viruses? Foreign letters in my DNA replicating into oblivion, strange at first, ill-fitted, until they're not. I am a body planted, fruit ready for harvest. I am an orchard. I hear the rumble in my gut, and I imagine that it is thunder.
And you just heard uh, readings by Lyle Miriam, Corey Toke, Joshua Schiff, and Alyssa Cooper in the October 1st and the Journey continues open mic reading in that monthly series again held at the elm cafe tell you what i probably should do this and then i'll be right back i'm david suzuki cut your heat and energy use by 10 percent, and you'll be making a real difference combating global warming the future is in your hands shrink your footprint grow your wallet cool the planet find out how at davidsuzuki.org Why donate to CFRC? As the world's longest-running campus community radio station, CFRC 1019 FM has maintained its tradition of fostering campus and community culture and engagement since 1922. Our volunteer-driven music and spoken word broadcasts, and now podcasts, reach listeners locally, nationally, and internationally, allowing for community members to share their voices, perspectives, and ideas, and allowing listeners to engage opportunities more closely to connect with their community. CFRC 1019 FM is your campus and community radio station. Head to CFRC.ca and click on Donate Now for an option to donate through Queen's University or through our GoFundMe campaign. It's that easy to donate, and we thank you in advance to contributing to Queen's University Campus Radio. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I mean, if there's a listener-supported radio station, it means that people can get daily, every day, a different way of looking at the world, not just what the corporate media want you to see, but a different picture, a different understanding, but a different picture, a different understanding. Not only can you hear it, but you can participate in it. You can add your own thoughts, you know, and you can learn something and so on. Well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way uh, people become uh, human, you know. That's the way you become human participants in a in a social and political system. Do you like to dance? Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11 p.m. and midnight. Where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep, and tech house remixes and more. Let the hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on 4 to the Floor Fridays. Only on CFRC 101.9 FM. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. I'm here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. and we do stream live online www.cfrc.ca and again that's where our funding drive information is and uh, where you'll go if you want to but uh, gonna do something uh, not directly from that uh, we have another sort of raffle going on uh, funding drive raffle side by side today and it's from the musical duo Chris and D uh, they have offered to set up a raffle open to anyone who donates well to the, let's just word it that way who donates $25 or more uh, the winner of which will receive a copy of their new CD 
uh, to be officially launched this Sunday, a T-shirt, and two free tickets to their CD release and party again this coming Sunday afternoon. If you'd, you know what? I think what I'd like to do is maybe just uh, play a sample. Uh, their new CD is called Browse Line, and it, just like all the ones before it, is just really a beautiful CD, and I had the hardest time trying to choose uh, which cut I'd air off it to kind of uh, uh, plug their uh, plug the raffle and also their CD uh, launch party coming up uh, this Sunday. But you know what? I just went back to the first one, listened to it a couple of times, and I love them all. But here is the first cut on that album. Again, the album called Browse Line. The song itself is called No Tattoo. Don't even have a tattoo 
that was Chris and D off of their new album called Browse Line, and the song is called No Tattoo. And again, they are officially releasing uh, it's the official launch party this Sunday, and I believe it starts at 2.30. I would suggest you go to their uh, website or their even Facebook page and uh, you can find out I forget the, the name of the thing but I or the name of the venue but I do know it is out at the airport so sounds like a pretty cool gig anyway let's go ahead and uh, I'm gonna air the uh, last group of readings again uh, this will end uh, the first half of the event at the Elm Cafe so again this was from the October 1st, and the journey continues reading in that m monthly series. And you're going to hear in this segment readings by Adrian Yee, Brent Raycroft, Eric Folsom, and me. We give Alyssa Cooper another hand. Let's bring up Adrian Yee. <laughs> about an island that once found me. Laskiti, the place where dreams come true if you have enough gumption to give her and fight hard for what you want. Quietness, peace, ambling, the forest surrounds me. The wind bending the trees back and forth in a lazy sway. I'm inspired sometimes and sometimes I fight it. Sometimes I have to trip in my mind somewhere to some new destination. I'm stubborn as hell, and damn grateful for it. Rover is a literary dog chasing a bone, the bone attached to the slick stick with an invisible string. I'm doing whatever I want to my own detriment. It's a big fuss, and it's all a big fight. I have lots of fight in me. I'm inspired when I feel light, clean, cleansed, anew. I've been reborn more times than I can count. Daily after exiting the ocean naked and unafraid. From the past looking forward, it is bright. But from the shore, I squint my eyes, blinded by the reflection of the sun off the water. It's brilliant, sparkling, rippling. My sea friends join me. I am a seal, sea dogs happy poking my head above the water and putting on a show at dusk. My spirit animal, so common, although my beingness or my being yearns to make some statement of uniqueness like a snowflake. Truth is, I've the form and commonality of a melted snowflake, the one that rolls off my toe when I feel perfect, air drying after my swim. Give Adrian Yee another hand and let's bring up Brett Raycroft. Right number. Not a Windows upgrade from a con man or a robot asking me to choose an option. 
or that bit-crushed cruise ship horn announcing my departure, but a woman asking for a Mr. Holton. I don't know this man, nor did he live at this address, but he's the most common wrong number we get. The wrongs in this nomer is that the number is, or was, correct. I must have sounded weary, but polite, maybe even warm, since I was glad to hear a friendly human voice as I said, yes, we sometimes get calls for him. He used to be um, at this number, I guess. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. And I said, your information must be old. And she said, I'm with Medic Adjustable Beds. He's listed as a customer. I didn't know. I said, that's okay, and then goodbye. And a moment later realized what the thing she didn't know had been, and that she was probably correct again, not about my grieving, but Mr. Holton's death, even though we still get calls for him. Give Brent, Brent Raycroft another hand and bring up uh, Eric uh, Folsom. All right, so I have a poem um, based on a line of dialogue in the uh, 1970s movie Cabaret. You remember Cabaret? Okay, I don't see a lot of hands. <laughs> okay, um, main characters, Sally Bowles, who, as we would have said in the 1970s, is sexually liberated. And um, Brian, who is, or thinks he is gay. And it is set in the 1930s in Berlin, like Christopher Gershwitz, Berlin. Um, political darkness and um, freedom which will soon be extinguished. Anyway, so, that's just background. The wrong three girls. What might I have been looking for had I but known? The relief I'd have felt at being understood. The nimble brilliance in mutual emotion. And the intuition we might spend the night cheerful blindness to all normal calculations of adequate status and reciprocity. Our spending of nights did not make economic sense, just a wild bet that we could become our true selves. Sally and Brian in the movie Cabaret laugh at Brian's former confession that he's gay, exclaiming jointly after their satisfying love, those other three women must just have been the wrong three girls. <laughs> Our queerness encouraged by unexpected trust, nursing tender seedlings in the greenhouse of life. Thank you. Is there any also, let's give him another hand.
Hold on, it's kind of in the flavor of, uh, thank God, the environmentalism that is uh, growing, and deservedly so, but uh, this is kind of a take on that as well. Autumn. We all, in the autumn of our days, not simply an autumn, but perhaps instead the final one. There is a cold winter coming. We, on an earth of water, soil, stone, have built our glass cities. And when glass wasn't enough, we made it mirror and became it. Yes. We've heard some really wonderful poetry. Let's give everybody in this round a hand. And you just heard <clears throat> readings by Adrian Yee, Brent Raycroft, Eric Folsom, and me. And that was done on... Uh, or at, I guess it'd be a better word, the October 1st and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series held at the Elm Cafe. And I uh, thought I might save my last pitch just, just to, uh, I've got another album or another, another album I want to play off of. One of the things that uh, CFRC is has really done wonderfully over the years in supporting local music and musicians. So uh, I wanted to uh, include uh, at least a couple of local musicians. Uh, I did Chris and uh, I was happy to, uh, in fact, I really wanted to, been wanting to, I've been kind of waiting for the release to come, so I felt comfortable uh, uh, playing it. So. Uh, aired that cut earlier, but there's another uh, wonderful singer-songwriter that I'm going to share as well in a bit, but that's, uh, and again, it's kind of in line with how CFRC supports, uh, among other things, uh, local singers, songwriters, other talents. So uh, before we, to kind of take us out of here, uh, and I thought that might be the best way to do it, is uh, I'm going to uh, play a song. This is a 2018 EP uh, Michelle Kezabowski uh, put together, uh, and it's uh, called The Very Thought of You. And I'm actually going to play the title cut in a bit, but I wanted to just kind of, I kind of like to do this every year, just to go through the reasons why I'm even here. So at this radio station, uh, I uh, came in here on, uh, I'm trying to put dates to this and it just doesn't seem possible that it's been that many years, but I'm thinking it was 13 or maybe even 14 years ago, uh, probably 14 years ago that I came in here for an interview and I was just sitting in the lobby 
uh, waiting and kind of afraid. I'd never been on uh, the radio really before, and uh, but I just felt there. I sat there and felt very comfortable, almost felt at home. And so I think I kind of fell in love with the station the first time I sat foot in the door. And I've been a volunteer here for 13 years. Uh, and uh, I learned that day, uh, uh, Joanne Williams was actually the one who interviewed me that day. Uh, and she told me about the station uh, that it first aired in 1922, uh, was volunteer driven, not for profit, uh, that it was the oldest continuously running university based station, not just in Canada, but in the world. And uh, even then, too, I was well aware back then uh, of uh, the wealth of poets and authors in this city and the quality of their work. And I, th I kind of hope that one day I might be able to better showcase their work and them. So going on nearly 10 years now, Finding a Voice, uh, the show uh, was established in May, early May 2010. Uh, has it's allowed me a venue each week to produce and then share I'm guessing 750 800 hours to date of mostly local readings uh, attempting to do that just that to to do just that I guess uh, giving those poets authors lecturers even a larger audience a wider voice a longer voice and I am as well just one of hundreds of volunteers, each with our own diverse range of skills, talents, programming, desires, and each of us wanting to do what we love uh, for this station. Uh, we have, of course, equipment needing repair or replacement. Uh, we have ongoing day-to-day -day expenses. Uh, those are just, you know, the usual things related to broadcasting and training. And we have a vision, among other things, to, and I already kind of mentioned this, but to I'll do it again, implement and expand local live news and relevant sports coverage. And we can use your help in doing that. So if you feel uh, some of these things are important to you, uh, I'd encourage you to uh, check out our website. Again, it's very easy now uh, to... Uh, to donate, uh, check out our website, uh, again, www.cfrc.ca. Uh, it's done very well. You can find things about the funding drive very easily, again, just by staying on that uh, homepage. But I'd really encourage you to, maybe if nothing else, to maybe explore the, the website a little bit. Uh, it's not overwhelming, but you'll get an idea for who we are and what we do and uh, more than I can tell you in just a few minutes here. But CFRC has definitely changed my life and I, I'm hoping that maybe in some way it's sort of changed uh, the lives of uh, the people that have appeared on this show and, uh, and uh, given them another avenue to another place where they can express themselves and be heard. Maybe that's what we want in this life is to maybe be heard. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I do want to uh, get to that album. And uh, 
I'd like to thank you first now uh, because uh, we'll go straight into the album. One final, I believe there's one final uh, uh, announcement that will air after it. Uh, so let's just do this. I'd like to, again, thank you for tuning in today. And again, thanks uh, for those of you who have already donated uh, to our funding drive both this year and uh, I've been doing this for as many years as I've been here, so uh, so for the last 10 years, I guess. Uh, my thanks to all of those who have donated in those years of well, as well. And again, those of you this year and in the past years do and uh, have made a difference. So again, thanks. And you have been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. Again, my name is Bruce here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6. Find anything about us at www.cfrc.ca, including that's where we stream from. Please uh, check the web or our, my blog space as well. After the show ends, uh, finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. Uh, both shows will be there as they have uh, for the last uh, God, eight years, and but they will remain there for four years. Hope you can catch us here next week and uh, catch uh, the remainder. Uh, I'm I'm not sure what I'm going to play, so I'll leave it up in the air. So you'll have to tune in to see what it is. Anyway, uh, do please, right now as well, stay tuned for two hours of East Coast music in a show called Saltwater Music, hosted by Rob Carnell. Comes up right at the top of the hour, right after this song again. Here is Michelle Kezabowski with a song called The Very Thought of You, and off of her titled EP of the same name that was released last year. Here she is. The very thought of you And I forget to do
Q Electronics Kingston, your source for DJ gear and live band gear rentals for Kingston and the surrounding area. Brands such as Pioneer, Techniques, Rain, and so much more. New digital and vintage analog in stock for rental. Full white glove delivery, setup, operate, and loadout services for. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.